Hello, welcome to Culture Fear. 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 Absolute Fear. Culture Fear. Culture Fear. We've got the fear. We've got the fear. That song does my head in, but let's put that to one side, shall we? Hey, Culture Fear, new episode. Thank you for listening. I'm Sean. Uh, I'm hostess. I have the conversations. Um, yeah, cheers. Um, this episode is with Jonah Falco. If you're listening in f- because you listened to the last month's one with Erica, thanks for coming back. If this is your first one because you want to hear what Jonah's got to say, welcome. There's just a little bit of nattering that I do. I'll be gone soon. Um yeah everyone that listens like cheers i appreciate that a lot um yeah so not much has been going on in my life i've got a new job which is nice i did put on a show last friday which i really really enjoyed um two reasons why i put on the show really um the lug hole which if you're not aware is like a diy spot in um Sheffield um, got shut down we're trying to move it and it's like super super close the only thing that it needs now is like it needs money to get to open really Um, so I put on a show as a fundraiser um, and also because I wanted to put on the band Slag Heap who are like an amazing kind of raincoatsy kind of Bristol indie sound kind of band that I heard and was like I want to put this band on in Sheffield so yeah did the two did the two things managed to raise a lot more money than I thought I would the show was sick it was heaving um Ganglions also played who are like one of my favourite UK bands I'd say at the moment especially to watch they're like amazing um have hassled Ema um one of the members a few times about coming on the podcast um maybe I should hassle some more or maybe I should get the hint um but yeah, that was great. Please check out the Lughole GoFundMe or just like what Lughole's trying to do and try and support that signal booster, if that's what they call it, something like that. That'd be brilliant. Um, otherwise, just been listening to that Georgia Map record that like really took me by surprise. I think it's amazing. Uh, the first new bib tune that they've released from their LP has whetted my appetite for that record. I think that's going to be one of the records of the year. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I sat down and had a conversation with Jonah Falco. Uh, it was great. Um, Jonah's the first person that I'd not met before uh, to do this. Well, like, I guess someone that's not a friend. Um, I wasn't a friend. Uh, and it was great. So I just want to say thanks for his time. Um, and thank you for making it so great. Like the whole experience was really nice I got to ask about certain things that I really wanted to hear about and like it seemed like he wanted he wanted to talk about that and riff off those ideas so like huge thank you to Jonah for for doing that um yeah that's it enjoy the podcast if you do enjoy it please tell a pal that you think might enjoy it if not well thank you take care bye Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks very, very much for having me. Um, sorry for being late. <laughs> no problem. Um, what have you been up to recently? Well, uh, I've been doing a lot of mixing and recording lately, actually. So uh, aside from 
musician duties. Um, years ago, I sort of taught myself how to record other mm. people's music. Yeah. I'm not sure that I'm very good at it now, but I, I seem to have made a name for myself in the sort of smaller pools of the punk world. And um, I worked on, I've, been, I've been working on three LPs, two of which are complete now. So I did uh, mixed and produced the Chubby and the Gang LP yeah. called Speed Kills, which has just come out, or it's just about to come out on Static Shock. And they're going on tour to the States in January. And just finished mixing an LP for another um, UK hardcore band called Big Cheese, yeah. who the air record's coming out on quality control. And uh, and I, we just started tracking uh, an LP for a London band called Subdued, who are great. And they're sort of this moody, um, crust punk stroke um you know, meets Venom, meets, um, I don't know, something a bit gothy as well. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really sort of like perfect storm of, of those sort of blackened influences. Anyway, so we, we, did, we started working on the LP, so that's exciting. Cool. Yeah, I've been quite busy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. like with like producing, yeah. do, you like getting your like, do you like getting involved? I love getting involved, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel the only, being a producer, it, and you know, I wouldn't call myself a producer. There are other people who do that in a way that is far beyond my capability. But I think that any person that has at least some aggregate of experience generally can have a good objective opinion on helping yeah. people yeah. achieve what they want. And especially, I know the music, the style of music well enough to say, why don't you try this, or this take was good, or this take was... The playing was poor, but the idea was good. Things like that. So I really like to get stuck in. Some people are not receptive to yeah. input, which is fine. Uh, they don't need it, right? You're just there yeah. to make sure that everything is in order. Yeah, I mean, you can, I guess you can pick on that pretty quick. Like, okay, that yeah. this band isn't going to want me, yeah. but they want it to sound like my record sound. Yeah. Or, oh, this band actually wants me to be part of this process. Yeah, some, some, sometimes all you can do is just help be the machinery. Yeah. And other, and other times you can be a personality. I mean, it, it's a good lesson in, in judgment. Yeah. on when to use those parts of your personality or not, I'd say. Yeah. I've, I've also been doing some sound design, uh, which I've done briefly before, but um, an artist called Lucy Pavlak uh, had me do a sound mix and uh, some Foley and uh, some other sort of strange sound design for a short film that she's doing called Holding, and we just wrapped that as well, which was a great experience. Again, it's part of the world of... You know, the same judgment and how much you should or should not get involved in somebody else's creative yeah. process. But also, like, it's a lot of different creativity than notes and scales, which is what I'm used to, you know, and hitting things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. So, like, in Toronto, did you have, like, your own space for recording? Uh, I had a practice room that I shared with. Um, so my band, Fucked Up, has a room that we shared with other bands. And yeah. uh, I would just pay a bit extra per month, like $40 a month to have whatever hours I needed per week. Uh, usually in the daytime, I'd bring bands in and just, they'd play, they'd bring their own gear, they'd play on my drum kit, or yeah. some, sometimes, secretly, just bust out the old, dust off the fucked up amps and uh, get some nice sounds. So, yeah, I, I don't, I had a space here briefly, up in Herringay, in a place called Crusader Industrial Estate. <laughs> wow. Which, coming from, from Canada, where everything is just like, uh, you know, its address or its intersection, you know, having something with this absolutely grandiose name. Yeah, very British. Yeah, Crusader <laughs> Industrial Estate. I thought, I just, I put it on everything that I ever did there as a matter of instinct and as a matter of importance to, <laughs> to sort of chalk this place in the annals of time. Yeah. Um, so, um, you recorded that Urban Blight record, More Reality, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, like, 
Because you said like, oh, like, you know, you've come a long way since when you first started recording. Obviously, that record, record is probably a decade now. Yeah, maybe um, more. For me, like, it's like perfect record. Yeah. It sounds so good. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, and um, I remember hearing a... Oh, I remember being told... Yes. Uh, ...that um, to get those drums sounding, like, so great that, like, you recorded them yeah. and then, like, put it through a room of, like, bikes <laughs> and then, like, recorded how that sound... Like, recorded the recording of that. Uh, <laughs> sort of. We... It wasn't quite that. Uh, we didn't... We, we reamped a lot of stuff, actually, and what I... It never happened. What I tried to do is I took the whole mix and ran it through a Marshall amp and recorded that <laughs> to see if that would be, like, a mastering process, but it sounded a little too tinny. <laughs> but the, uh, the secret to that record... Uh, but it's usually the secret to most records is the musicians. Yeah, and I use that word in inverted commas with Urban Blight. Bless you guys, but uh, I, it, that record was recorded on a specific piece of, of kit called the Boss BR nine hundred digital eight track, and it's kind of a log, but uh, it has sort of like nice enough mic prees, and when we recorded it. I really didn't know what I was doing, so everything yeah. is really, really hot. And uh, when we were mixing, mixing it, and by mixing it, there's just seven faders on a piece <laughs> of plastic. So, and we're both one person has headphones on. Everybody's trading around, and uh, I, I got it to somewhere where I mean, this sounds going in. We're good. I, used, I recorded the drum kit with a single. It's recorded with one microphone, yeah, an SM58, just kind of pointed in the middle, up between the above the kick drum and between the rack tom. And the snare drum pointed at the kick drum beater. Okay. That somehow that produced a kind of full drum sound. And coming through this weird magic machine sounded really punchy. So I got this mix going. We, we played uh, the guitars through this, Mar this Marshall 212 stack. And, and uh, the guy was rather dear about his amp. I said, can I see the settings on that for a second? And just ran my hand across them all. <laughs> <laughs> and then the bass player went to plug into his bass stack, and I said, oh, actually, I've got the perfect thing for that. Just put it back in your fucking car. And we plugged him into the Marshall amp and put the, dimed everything. So we got the mix going, and the singer, Michael, who lives here now, actually, he, uh, he said, I said, what do you think? I mean, I think we got something here. This is a great record. And he goes, uh. And I said, you sound a bit disappointed. He goes, well, yeah, you know. I said, What? I mean, this is great. He says, it just sounds a bit weak. I said, wow. weak? Weak? Come on. It's like the hardest record and in he's the last like, decade. Yeah. And I said, well, what should we do? And he's like, make it sound less weak. And I think uh, as a kind of sarcastic, I, I rarely get like rude and sarcastic, but I just went, oh, fine. And I just turned all the faders up. <laughs> and he's like, okay, that's perfect. Oh, that's <laughs> So cool. there you go. That was, that was the way we got that sound. I like less weak rather than, like, harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it was, like, make it sound harder, that's, like, maybe something that no human can do. It's like, that's on you, man. <laughs> yeah. I can't do that. I'm the soft one. You're supposed to be the hard one. He was just like, this sounds weak. And I was like, wow, okay, this is the magic of technology. And there you go. Mm. Um, amazing. So, um, yeah, so recording, mixing. Yeah. Um, how is it, like... Um, mixing a record that you haven't recorded uh oh it's usually a, a treat yeah i mean d depending on who recorded it uh and how they recorded it sometimes it just mixes itself yeah uh i recorded 
Uh, I mixed some stuff in the past year for Disguise from Ireland and a band from Brighton called Last Affront. And both of those mixes came in with like, I mean, they were recorded fine, but it was really already quite blown out and loud. And and there wasn't much that I had to do to it other than kind of organize it. Uh, And that's fun. That's a big challenge. But then with the Chubby LP and the Big Cheese LP, they recorded at this place up in Leeds called The Station House. Yeah, with Atco. With Atco, who is a magician. And uh, should be commended on his 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 highly capable style. He's got lovely microphones, and he sends these like perfectly um, edited and like absolutely, you know, every level is set nice. And he has wonderful, wonderful mics, and it's a nice room. So it's that is really fun because it's really, you know, somebody has done the best job possible already, yeah. <laughs> and it's up to you to make that into something that can live up to that. Whether I have or not, God only knows, but. I really enjoy that. And so that, that so that's the real challenge is getting this raw material and it's just it's as the ear hears it and so it's up to you to to make it a bit magic. So that's a great challenge. Yeah, that's cool. Um yeah, I guess like being them being like right this is what it is and this is kind of where we want to push it to sound like. Precisely, yeah. Yeah. Um another thing before we jump back as well um yeah. I see that you like uh, I feel like um 98% of like bands at the minute like You've always got like a great description. Oh, sure. They're, like uh, oh, on yeah, their band yeah. camp and I, stuff. I don't know. <laughs> ah, yeah. So, Paco asked me one time to do a write up for Exotica, and I, d- I don't think I like. I didn't have anything to say about the music particularly. I mean, it's it is what it is. I didn't. I I couldn't pull the name, the rabbit from the hat of whatever perfect obscure Brazilian punk band it sounds like. But so I just said it sounded like a you know destroyed cassette tape melting through the ceiling. <laughs> Uh, of your broken air conditioning unit on a hot day somewhere, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then from that moment on, everybody kept asking me to do it. It's getting more and more out of hand, hand to the point where I'm like, I want to say something very concise. You know, can yeah. you describe my record? It starts, it ends, we liked it. Thank you. Yeah, um, and I, f- I feel like um, it's super interesting for me seeing your write-ups coming from, like, I don't know if this is like something that like so the one that like stuck st- stood out for me quite a bit was which I found interesting was like the stages of faith in faith. Oh sure, yeah. And you're like, this is like a leather face. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that's so interesting because like I feel like the scene that they're from mm. in mm-hmm. the UK, mm-hmm. Leatherface is like a completely different scene. Oh yeah. Where like I imagine that like being into punk in like North America, yeah. It's like well, Leatherface is just like an amazing like melodic punk band, yeah. Um, where like in the UK they're like this like you know bearded like it's a thing. No idea, I guess. Like, yeah. That oh, kind really? Of thing like hot maybe. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Like I didn't realize. See, that's funny. I had no idea it was like that. I know you when you said beardy, no idea. I know exactly what yeah, you mean. Yeah. Like hot water music. Uh, gruff. I gruff. Guess. Like, uh, I mean, I guess le- because Leatherface is. I mean, I guess they sort of fit into that even from a North American perspective they inspired yeah. that uh, and I must admit the Stages in Faith write-up I, I knew that they wouldn't really I knew that they don't really like Leatherface I mean maybe they do I suspect that they don't really care yeah. and I know that they don't give a shit about the Mega City 4 or anything <laughs> else that I said or, or Snuff like I realized that's really reaching so that was me projecting on purpose yeah. because you know I, I, I suspect that Ben wanted me to say something like yeah, sounds like uh, Discord and sound, sounds like, um, you know, late government issue and sounds like, uh, sounds like whatever, far side. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I just am not going to say that. I don't like, no offense to far side. I don't like far side. I'm not going to 
pretend that I know the ins and outs of, of this scene that I don't really, I like stages in faith because to me, my projection, <clears throat> my selfish projection was to say it's part of a continuum of what yeah. British punk bands have done to melodic music. And that, I honestly, I think, I mean, I'm not trying to, to uh, be very aggrandizing about stages in faith in particular, but I think that this is a thread that's going from new wave of British heavy metal and the way that melody came yeah. out of punk and out of metal into this thing that was like quite saccharine in a strange way. And then in the way that American post-hardcore fed into the UK scene seems to be also a very specific thing. And the way, like the cultural exchange with North America and Europe is always, or well, Britain anyway, is always like the States does something. Britain says, this is great. We love it. We're obsessed with this thing. We should try and do this thing. And they try and copy it. And it's not a good copy, but somehow it's it's yeah. better. Yeah. And then the Americans are like, the British are doing this thing. This is absolutely crazy. <laughs> what? Where did they pull this from? We have to do that. We have to do that. And they do it, and it doesn't work, but it's different. And, and then it goes volleyball, right? Yeah. And so this is, but this melodic thread is, is quite consistent. And so that's why I mentioned all those late 80s bands. I, I didn't want to just put it into terms of like the soup du jour or whatever. Everybody's just sort of you know, moving the, the little bouncing ball along the timeline of yeah. the big hardcore labels from the States. It's not fair. I wanted to give it a bigger context straight away because I think it is, it's bigger than, it's bigger than that, you know? And yeah. it should be. And I keep trying to tell Ben, I'm like, go tour. Like, you need to open for a big band. This music is great. And, you know, they're in a whole other planet, you know? They're a different scene now. I know they play to the hardcore shows, but it should be, it's yeah, something yeah. else, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and like, um, yeah, like uh, I feel that um, from like what I've seen and like heard with like fucked up and mm. like career suicide and like what you're just saying there, like lineage and like maybe not legacies, right? But like lineage seems like important to like what you do. Yeah, I'd say. I mean, the best you can do in a band is, I mean, the only thing you can do in a band is exist when you exist. I've I, I've spent my entire life of making music. It, obsessing over something that happened before I was born yeah. or when I was too young to appreciate it and trying to under, get into that mindset to create this thing. And you're always, it's, it's like Zeno's paradox. As soon as you get halfway, there's halfway more to go and halfway more, you don't get anywhere. But the thing is, the thing that I don't realize is even with all this hindsight and all this obsession over things in the past, you're getting dragged along in the present yeah. and it just it smashes things into the present in a perpendicular way. And so when you understand this lineage, it can be a bit of a, a negative thing, a negative cheat, because you understand exactly where you are. But, you know, you can only be now, so you have to keep doing this perpendicular smash all the time in order to, you know, and understanding context is important so you can just look back comfortably. Yeah. You know, you can find your way back. It's like little breadcrumbs, except yeah. the breadcrumbs are already there. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess it's, like, great to be, like, you know... Um, Especially at the start, like think where do we where are we trying to like what are we taking from? Yeah. That is important to us. Mm. Like we could put out a record that no one's gonna listen to. Mm. But that doesn't mean that it's not important to us about where if you want it to be important, of yeah. course. You know, bands are of most bands just put out records and don't really think just think about their like yeah. peers and stuff. But like I like that's why I think um it's so interesting to me, like when like fucked up dissect like record covers mm. of yours where it's like well this fits in we're trying to make this fit into like where we are in this whole lineage and like where we're taking these these points from yeah I mean, it was very literal in the past with fucked yeah. up obviously there were things that like were direct 
homages to Danger House or to Soul Records or whatever. And now Fucked Up has developed its own aesthetic. Or, you know, it's not particularly our own, but it's it's what all of our records look yeah. like. And then that, you know, you fit in, you've put yourself into this loop of yourself and fitting into that context. But each thing then sort of is pulling, the imagery is coming from somewhere. Fucked up records have always been about a complete, each record is always about a kind of complete idea. It's, it's rare, musically it could be a bit of a hodgepodge, a collection of different styles. It's always been a bit like that. But, you know, it's always, it's generally speaking, you know, the idea begins and finishes in the next one. So that you can contextualize things, you know, in, in that way. And, you know, again, like I say about Fucked Up is like a modern band making kind of, in the past, maybe more so, but like somewhat derivative music in a particular style, but having this Art Nouveau uh, kind of Rococo element on the artwork doesn't make sense. And the band name doesn't make sense yeah. with the music, doesn't make sense with the vocals, doesn't make sense with the lyrics, doesn't make sense with who we're playing to, how we're playing it, and who's talking about <laughs> it. I mean, it's just a wonderful, confusing uh, chain of events, really. Yeah, and do you think that like jarring aspect of like what fucked up is is like when fucked up was like becoming less part of like moving into like a different culture mm. or like different like moving from like the hardcore for hardcore or mm. like hardcore punk scene and like taking on different things. It was like, well, you know, maybe hardcore doesn't belongs maybe the wrong word but like this isn't that sphere where we think necessarily we need to be a hardcore band mm. but we still want to be weird yeah uh, i mean i think yeah uh the being hardcore for us is generally about how to use i mean i don't know I, it's a weird thing to say now it's, it's like so far after the fact of like when when fucked up started i got an, an email and it was like do you want to do this band it's going to sound like uh, no justice, urban waste, victim in pain, and uh, and genetic control. And so, okay, we don't sound like any, never did really sound like any of those fans, but that was the idea. But, you know, the, the approach is always about the, the most direct line between the sort of like creation and the and the completion of, of the project. And it's it's still really, even though we're established and even though the records take a lot to be get finished these days, it's still a very like unorganized, yeah. uh, chance-taking hodgepodge scenario. It's two hodgepodges, by the way, in one interview. It's I mean, no more. <laughs> if I get it, there's a button in there. Liam's gonna press like. Eh. So you can censor the word hodgepodge in there. Uh, there it is. Green light. Dee -dee. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the music is still made in the same way where you you know the the beauty of hardcore and the discovery of hardcore music is is always about kind of like trying to find a a context for you to do something or be someone in a way that is completely different from what the general expectations of your life is. That's a slightly rose-colored, but I think that it's very easy to say, like, oh, hardcore, like, I'm going to go there and be the hardest, loudest, screamingest person in the world <laughs> or the most pick-your-direction. But I think it, it it is about this sort of, like, benevolent self-actualization and Everybody in the band, everybody in the world is complex and everything, but I can tell you from firsthand experience, everybody in <laughs> Fucked Up is very compl compl complex and multifaceted, and there's a lot that goes into, like, mitigating all of our personalities, and so the band is really a direct reflection of that, and because, partly because, we let it, you yeah. know. All of the whims and urges <clears throat> of like, whatever records 
Damien happened to be collecting that week, whatever old movie I saw that week, whatever book Mike was reading, whatever book Sandy was reading, whatever highway Josh was on, you know, like, uh, all of these things contributed to the things to make us most comfortable with the music that we were making rather than trying to slot it in. I mean, slotting it into the hardcore thing, it didn't, it, it, it worked for us, but it was like the game ended far too quickly. Yeah. You know, we were just like, well, what do we do? Now we're just a band that's yelling in people's faces and it's the same 10 people's faces and that's good. That's what, that's what we were on the other side getting yelled at a month ago. Now what? Oh, I really like this Undertones record. Oh, I just yeah. heard Psychic TV for the first time. Oh, I just, you know, have you have you listened to uh, the Flirtations? Oh, okay. And then, like, we just pulled it along with us. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. That's a bit vague, maybe. Maybe it's too, <laughs> not vague at all. It's so specific. <laughs> Everybody's like, we're going to tune out. We're going to tune out. We can come back in 10 minutes, boil an egg. Everything's fine. Um, and then, obviously, when you're making, like you said, there's, like, a lot of you in the band that's complex and stuff. Mm. So, and you're like thinking about stuff. When, like, and obviously like totally enthralled by like mm. hardcore cult, punk culture. Yeah, yeah, of course. So how was that like, um, like thinking about, right, we're moving into a place where like, like, you know, like, I guess, like, the whole, like, DIY, like, thing, or not, like, or, like, punk ethics and stuff. Yeah. When you start, like, moving in, like, how did you make it your own whilst doing things that other people would be like, oh, this is, like, Yeah, this different. is a no-go zone, yeah. Or a no-go zone. Yeah. Well, it was a lot of cynicism, really. I, th- I think uh, there's a great deal of competition in the sort of existence of Fucked Up. And, and that has nothing to do with the people in the band. I just think that... Uh, when we started to play... So, I mean, it took us a while to get a foothold in our own city. And um, we played a few shows. um, We played a show, an event called Wavelength, which was like a monthly thing for indie rock. Okay. Uh, And it it would be weird that a, a hardcore band would play. And again, we weren't exactly like the gutter punk scene. We yeah. weren't exactly the straight edge scene, even though half the band was straight edge. Not me, uh, and we weren't the like spiky. You know, we were just sort of in the in the in the troughs between everything. And so when we played there, it was a bit of a competitive thing. Like, oh, <laughs> I mean, it, cynical competitive thing, and kind of childish. But like, oh, you know, you indie rockers, you've got your cool clothes and you've got your cool night, and you all like do grown up things like hang out at bars, and we're picking stuff out of the trash, and live, <laughs> you know, living in basements and reading revolutionary books and this, that, and the other. So it was a bit like a bravado one-upsmanship to do that i feel like and every time and actually those people are nice they liked it they were like this is great i haven't seen this before oh look a new thing we love it and we were like how dare you like our new thing we're playing an old thing we're playing an old thing that you've ignored and we're so mad at you for ignoring our old thing and they're like no we like it and so but it was a bit competitive so with cynicism i would say yeah. and it was very hard for me as a cynical young boy uh when Fucked Up started to really get traction and around the time we signed to Jade Tree, uh, I had a really hard time with that. You know? yeah. I, I didn't want to. I was so happy with our... We bubbled up to this point where we could play a show and it was a full room and we and our friends were there and there were new faces every time, but we could go pretty much anywhere in North America that we wanted. Uh, I think we might, had, we might have had gone to Europe. We'd gone to Europe once. I think we came here already. Uh, before we signed to, G- I can't remember. But 
I had a really hard time like leaving and uh, leaving that. Like all the cynicism was so perfectly directed. I had everything in check. All my positives were in the positive pile, and all my negatives and and uh, and uh, rudeness and all that stuff was in the that the rudeness pile, and it was perfect. And then we had to go and like go it back into the gray zone. <laughs> I'm like, why? We just got out of the storm. Uh, but it was it was really good to do that. Actually, absolutely changed my perspective and everybody's perspective on how to exist as th- this a band a band is always this in the in the smaller world of music it feels like a band is this sealed unit and you can just you should just feel free to go anywhere and do anything and it's like anytime you can do something that is strange and a bit off kilter and ultimately benevolent and put that into be the fly in the ointment i think that's a good thing and that's just how change good change can happen yeah. and i think that that's how people can broaden their horizons if they want to whatever you know yeah we was we was always a bit like being well, see what i did that we was always a bit like being uh <laughs> we were always very much into being the the nail sticking up a little bit okay how yeah. people pay attention to us yeah and um here's another uh myth like ah, tell the, me. Uh, like the Urban Blight one. Um, that like, I guess the response to like fucked up being offered stuff that was like, oh, this is like different to what we'd ever have expected. Yeah. Um, was like, say yes to everything. Yeah, no, that's true. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. It, yeah. Anytime it was like, do something outside of your world. Yep, we'll do it. Yeah. And uh, I don't think we did anything too regrettable, but yeah. there's some funny, funny old stuff along the way. <laughs> yeah. But we always, yeah, you have to temper that stuff. <laughs> you can do that and you can throw yourself at the wall. Uh, it's really easy to lose sight of yourself, and so it was very lucky that the the ideological people, the more the most ideological people in the band, always had their feet firmly planted. So for all the silly stuff we did, there was always a charity gig, a benefit show, or something to make sure that we were involved in the community. Because I think, yeah, you know, it's really easy to lose sight of yourself once you get thrown into the big machine. Every, everybody expects that like life on the other side of the desk is great, but it's it's just total chaos, right? Everybody wants to. Take what you have and use it, and you know, move on, right? It's it's very uh, what's the word? Uh, it's, it's a very I don't know, like small small scale music culture is really caring place, and that's really good. Yeah, it's really good, and it still is, which is really good. I'm like amazed after all the battering that like independent venues and and people's, you know, it's very hard to like be creative and and be comfortable being creative, and people get the will to squashed out of them all the time. But it's still a positive place, and people put the hours in to make sure that you can get up on a stage in front of your peers and have it be completely demystified. It's so important yeah. to not be afraid to speak in public or do something or like, you know, to manipulate a new machine. And that, I mean, my chosen world to make that happen was music, and I think it's just a good conduit for that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know. And was it important? Was it um, did what you were doing there inform what like career suicide was doing as well? Was well, that like you're like, well, I can I can live in two worlds and that's fine. Yeah, yeah, selfishly, yeah. yeah. Career suicide. What I mean, career suicide was more my project. I fucked up. I was like a very. I did a lot. I do a lot in fucked up. But career suicide was like my sort of fun passion project yeah. where I got to do exactly the kind of like dumb down. Like, the most fun, satisfying music for me at that time, and still to this day as well, it, it was, like, the early 80s Midwest hardcore, early New York hardcore, and 60s garage, 60s soul. And it's really, like, poorly, like, well-done, like, low low-brow music with, like, blown-out recordings and just a lot of swagger and, and like, uh, what's the word? Yeah, a lot of... 
um, I don't know, like a lot of panache, like it swings, it really cooks. <laughs> and and Christmas Light is like such a bumbling, silly band that like makes no sense. In in, in but I really wanted that lowbrow sort of thing. Fucked Up was so in, it is so intelligent, and I got to live in that world. And so I had this like sort of Dorian Gray, yeah, career suicide thing where you'd go and just have have a really wild time. And I had like so many, again, like fantastic life changing experiences in career suicide and under the under the the sort of kindness of other older musicians as well, like um, thinking about uh, the guys in Forward, Soichi and Ishia, who like really imparted a lot of wisdom about being a performer, about being a player, about how to approach music. Like they have, those two in particular, just because I've gotten to know them, but I know that they have a very specific passion towards how they play their music and how they produce these things. And it was like, it was like learning how to play guitar again, being on a stage with them, you know? Amazing. Yeah. Uh, And so... Yeah, what a lovely, well-rounded education. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, I seen like when we go back to lineage and that, um, yeah. it's I like find it interesting because like for me and obviously, this is like the amazing thing about music and like I imagine career suicide. Like for, like for me, yeah, I like put it in this block of like, I guess the punk music that you like the most is probably like mm. the punk music you get into when you're like young. Yeah, exactly. So it's like you know like career suicide, government warning, yeah. wasted time, yeah. no justice, yeah, that yeah. kind of that kind of era, yeah. um, which are like I still love. And it's like interesting. Like, do you think career suicide means something else to other people now? Because you're still like a band that's still releasing records. Yeah, I I wonder. I I, I don't know what to think about it really. I I, I had. Maybe I I never was sure how what we meant to anybody at the time. Yeah. Because I felt like I I don't know I don't I, I didn't understand what I was doing with the band. I just thought like people don't like this a lot because it's not the the thing that people are supposed to be playing right now. And then other bands started doing that and they were doing it as well or better than us. And then I was <laughs> like, oh shit, these bands are all better than us. Uh, and then we kind of went away because of mostly because of me uh, going off with fucked up and. I didn't know if there was a lasting impact or legacy, and I guess there is. But then, and then people who see it now, the thing that I wonder about careers, like, I love it, and people seem to like it, and that's great. But if you're a young person, you have like a whole other decade and a half of really <laughs> good hardcore punk that has happened since career suicide has been the most active. And yeah, we put out a record a couple of years ago. But if, if you're getting into it, it would be like when I was a kid and I knew that I was supposed to like Slapshot, and yeah. th- it was 1995 or something, and I bought Old Time Hardcore, and I, it's not the classic record. <laughs> that's not the thing that's going to... It means it sort of means something to me because I heard it and I liked it or whatever. Or, like, what did I... I you know, you buy, like, the bad record by the good yeah, band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like even... The, hey, there's no bad career suicide record. But uh, <laughs> I feel like we're the bad record by the good band period right now, where if you're young and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to like this classic band, and they still play, and it's a bunch of middle-aged men... <laughs> <laughs> going up there and playing this music that is supposed to be like explosion of youth anger and uh, yeah. so I don't know I'm just being uh, see the band buy the record because everyone was singing along yeah. listen to the record loads realize this record you know no one's singing along to it the yeah, next yeah, show yeah, exactly. must be a different record yeah yeah exactly oh I gotta get this other thing but yeah I don't know I, I'm i so grateful that Cruise Suicide like can do what we do playing in California this month yeah. playing in LA with and war crime is reforming for the for the few shows that we're doing. So we're doing three shows, L.A. and San Diego twice, twentieth uh, and the twenty first. And I, I don't even know where we're playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess um, 
we're like jump back to like um like there's no obviously I don't I feel like there's no point doing like an origin story or anything like that because um, mm. You did that one on the Turnout of Punk. Yeah, thing. yeah, so sure. like, oh, yeah, um, yeah. But um, so, Chris, did Chris Suicide come to the UK before? Was that your first like UK tour? Two thousand and eight was the first time we came. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And was that the first time you toured the UK or it no? Fucked up, fucked up came in oh six or oh seven, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think it was maybe oh six, and we came here like ten times. Um, and then. Career Suicide had done Europe two or three times already, but we'd never come to the UK because uh, it required a visa. Even though it's very easy to get a a, a musician's visa, CAVCO number or whatever it is, as a foreigner. And it's quite cheap. Compared to the States, it's like like three grand or something. And here it's like 30 pounds. Uh, But we never did it until uh, 2008 when uh, it was like this sort of in-between period the attempted suicide had come out we hadn't done anything and we did a two-week tour of the UK mm, yeah so we kind of went everywhere uh, and we went to Ireland as well yeah yeah I remember that tour two, yeah. two London shows if I remember correctly yeah we played the Old Blue Last and we played Grosvenor maybe Grosvenor yeah the yeah. Grosvenor show was wicked <laughs> Old Blue Last show was absolutely crazy yeah and it's funny living here now because some of my pals were like uh, they say like oh yeah I remember that show at the Old Blue Last, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that was cool. And they're like, I was 15. Well, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I was like, how how did I, which one, maybe I went to both? I guess I would have gone to Old Blue Last, because if 15-year-olds getting in, I was underage as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it was an amazing show, and that was, like, coming along when the shitty limits were still roaming this earth, and, like, it was a pretty cool show. Yeah, that was, like, peak shit limits uh, era as well. Um, Yeah, and I think that's one... um, thing I always remember like I'd see like obviously that career suicide tour yeah. and like the fucked up tours that were like very frequent yeah, yeah. and it was just always like for me anyway like the sickest lineups yeah yeah yeah, yeah th- those days when we came over it was crazy it would be like when fucked up played we'd be like we'd play with a, quite good bands and then we'd play with sort of strange bands or pop bands that we chose yeah and it, it was like a good circus just a good kind of yeah and were you able to like was it that you knew like people to ask in certain cities and they'd be after like they'd be like, Oh cool, this band works well or was it like we wanna play with like like the shitty limits or like big difference up north or uh, like, whatever it was? Well with with big dip uh, all of our main friends that fucked up met in, in two thousand and six ended up being the people that helped us book those tours. Yeah. Um and so when we we played with Big Difference in Sheffield at the Cricketers <laughs> And we, it was just like nothing we'd ever seen before. <laughs> and but we were all, you know, like I say, we're we're all Canadians, and and we'd never, we had never really. Damien lived in the UK, but we'd never been here before. And so, we, my imagination was running wild with like, <laughs> oh, you know, I, I just am everything. The funny thing about coming to England from Canada, and basically most of my imagination about this country was informed by my record collection so but you know in 2006 everything in england still kind of looked like the 80s <laughs> like still looked like those punk records like, oh my god we're in we're in toxteth like in, in liverpool just like the public disturbance seven inch look it looks the same yeah. <laughs> oh my god we're in we're in the east end like whoa i'm gonna see the cockney reject walk down the street at any minute uh of course like the world has changed vastly since the 80s but so we uh, it was amazing and and big cheese, uh, big, big cheese, uh, big difference. I was like, wow, this is like, this is like every like hard UK hardcore record. I hoped would still exist. It's like burly buzzsaw, like noisy 
horrible music and it's so powerful and like completely hilarious and they're taking the piss on stage nonstop. I think one of them had like, he's like, oh, I'm selling fucking bills if you like. I guess <laughs> terrible. Whoa, that's accent stricken from the record. <laughs> green light, green light, green light, green light, green light. Uh, I'm usually a bit better at northern accents than that, but I'm not sure I'm hitting the nail on the on the head. On the head, yeah. Put put wood in old, would you? Anyhow. Uh, and then with, with Career Suicide, I think we got really lucky time in a place. We were playing with some fucking absolutely killer bands. And, uh, you know, what can I say? Uh, and, you know, as well, we fucked up befriended um, Sean Forbes, a.k.a. Fat Bob. And, uh, you know, he knows everybody. And we had the good fortune to have an esoteric taste and very specific nerdy taste. And he helped us actualize that on stage. And yeah. like you know, playing with the down and outs, and and with hard skin, and with uh, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, so you're able to be like um, ask people that you yeah. saw as tastemakers at that time for yeah. like, right, we want to do something. Well, like, we really like this. We really like this. Can you can we can we play with them? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, and help that we were all kind of still into we that we were all into music, you know. And, yeah. And you you pick pick stuff out of a hat, and people I can't remember who turned us on to Let's Wrestle, who we went on tour with. Who are a really great indie band? Okay, we're uh, they are defunct now. Wes still goes does a solo thing, uh, and I just found out that the drummer Louis works with with my friend Tin. Uh, but let's wrestle with this like unbelievable sort of like from the somewhere from the ether they pulled this kind of like flying nun esque um, indie indie pop of the late late eighties in Britain meets Flying Nun meets like somehow touching on these points of brilliant sixties songwriting and sort of Brit pop moments. <laughs> they have this great song, Diana's Hair. <laughs> and it's I mean it's just should be one of like the greatest like DIY songs ever. Yeah. It's like UK DIY, you know? In the same vein as like the mesthetics things, but instead of coming out of punk, it's coming from like four generations of other music. Yeah. And so I mean this is like the passage of time is bad because you get further away from these moments that you presume are pivotal. But the aggregate of everything that's happened in between, it's like, you know, you can keep doing it. And they were a great example. I I can't remember how we got hooked up with them, but uh, probably our guitar player Mike uh, was turned on to it by someone and just said, you know, get Yeah, I feel like um, they might have played the show that you played at the GYC in Guildford. Yeah, they might have done. Tour, and um, me being like a 16-year-old there for like the punk band was like straight over my head. Well, exactly. <laughs> I feel bad for them because we're like, come on this tour and they're like, sure. And this is a room full of people exactly like that who are like, yeah, we, we're here to see the band with the swear word and the bearded guy and they're shouting and the, ble- the bleeding. And they're yeah. like, this is a soft number. I guess um, when you were in that situation, it was like a little bit easier because you had like the front person to just get in people's faces and be like, oh, you're like bored to watch us. Well, we'll have our fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's always been kind of easy for me. I, it, in, in fun time, I'm just like the other, the rest, Damien really like handles the workload <laughs> yeah. on stage. The rest of us are the machinery and yeah, we're working hard. And I do like to, you know... I like to feel like, you know, a bit of a martyr back there. He's sweating away. He's like, really, my joints, you know, the size of basketballs by the end of a set. Uh, but, um, no, it's good. It's And it's a great vantage point to just watch it all, watch it all happen. Yeah. You know? And you're safe behind f- <laughs> five other people, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I guess, so bands that you're in at the moment, obviously the game record came out yeah. a few months ago. 
Uh, well, I don't know. More than that, I think it was almost a year ago. Oh wow! I mean, that's a few months. Yeah, a few, a few, a few, a few, a few, <laughs> few times three. Uh, yes. Sick. Are you doing anything else? Um, is it Boss? Yeah. Is that a band that's like a. Is that a? It's a bit of a. Okay, so yeah, game game uh, is this sort of like lip cream esque metal hardcore thing not metallic hardcore but like heavy metal hardcore or no like speed metal hardcore something and uh Ola who does quality control records is the singer and she sings in polish and in english she is she is has polish lineage and uh and then boss was the product of a conversation i had with maxime from ricks at a show um at the diy space one day he said oh i've got all these riffs for a band that sounds kind of like glam like mid, mid to late 70s glam and I was like oh yeah I'm a really good singer like you should let me you should let me sing in it and he's like really and I, we chatted about bands and then uh, he sent me some demos I recorded some demos here up at Crusader Industrial Estate <laughs> and uh, and I happened to be in Paris and uh, just went to his studio and we we, we tracked the vocals for the 7 inch and the rest of, that the rest is history so we'll play again soon I yeah. suspect I also have um what else am I up to? I, I have a band with Mike from Fucked Up called the Jade Hairpins. Okay. And uh, it's not, it hasn't like rolled out fully yet, but it's going to come soon. And it's, I'm singing, he's he's playing other instruments, and it's kind of like, a bit like Orange Juice or oh, wow. New Order or um, sometimes it's a bit like The Cult, a bit like Ian Dury. <laughs> yeah. So kind of like poppy and, and like a bit, um, a bit c- c- like, humorous but it's not not funny but it's just sort of like yeah very self-aware a bit tongue-in-cheek bit, yeah no not even tongue-in-cheek just like a bit absurd i okay. would say yeah uh so i've got that is that got a record out yeah, yeah there's a 12 inch out right now uh called mother man and uh it's a 12 inch single merge put it out and the lp's coming up uh in the summertime spring summer sick yeah and um <clears throat> um I guess it isn't a band, but like that um, Smart Boys. Oh yeah, uh, that uh, the seven inch um, where it uh, opens with like the telephone is ringing. Oh yeah, that's uh, uh, oh my god, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, one of my favourite seven inches of all time. Oh my god, that is cool, man. Yeah, but Smart Boys was Mike and I and a fellow called Tim Westberg. Who's a really great musician from? He's originally from Philly, but he he's lived lived in Toronto for years. And uh, we got hooked up with him through a really fant- one of my favorite drummers of all time, Simone Tishaburil. Um We were just trying to find somebody to sing on these songs that wasn't either of us. That yeah. We were trying to sound sort of like Buzzcocks meets Cheap Trick. Cool, yeah, and yeah, the undertones. Yeah. Uh, That's and- what I got. I was like thinking of all those like bands north of Ireland, like back exactly. in like early. 80s, late seventies. Yeah, that's, but that cheap was, trick makes total sense as well. Yeah, well, one, we, one day we just we were doing a recording, and uh, I put a sort of Thin Lizzy esque guitar harmony on it, and then you realize that when you do that over, <laughs> uh, when you do it over more like punky music, it sounds less like Thin Lizzy and more like Cheap Trick. Yeah. Cheap Trick is really like it's like the sort of catch all thing whenever there's melodic punk music, basically. That's it's really rock and roll, but it's rock and roll that's really punk, and it's yeah. punk that's really rock and roll. Depending what way place you're coming from. Yeah, sure. How tight or other. loose your pants are. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, love that record. Yeah. Um, we played a few times. We played, like, ten times. We tried to sort of make something of it, but it just, I don't know. It wasn't in the cards. There's a whole LP written and recorded. Wow. And 
more or less mixed, but it, it may never come out. Ah, that'd be sad. Yeah. Um, and then um, you did a solo record, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A few years ago? I did, uh, so I had this, uh, to, to ramble on, as I, am That's always what want, as, as I always want to do, uh, I had, so there's two things. I, in the 2008, 2007, 2008, I uh, was learning how to use this machine, the Boss BR900. <laughs> yeah. And the first, the first thing I ever did on that was the Mad Men demo. The first first Mad Mad Men demo. So Mad Men was this like hardcore band, sing, one man hardcore band that I had, and I wanted it to be like uh, mental abuse, sand in the face, children in adult jails, adrenaline OD. Just like new, I, I was really obsessed with the idea of uh, all these bands from New Jersey because it it's just an automatic second best. You know, I mean, I love that music. <laughs> yeah, that music yeah. is the best. But you know, if you had to. If you had to like look at it on the census of the human race, it's like that's okay. It's not as New Jersey is not as nice as New York, <laughs> and the, you know less stuff happened there, or whatever. But I, 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 my philosophy about it at the time about the second bestness of it was that you, you, the best things they already exist. You're all I'm already living in the shadow of the best punk music okay, in a way. Yeah. I'm already second best, so let's go there. Let's find it further. And I found the music was just so absurd, and it was so. Um, colloquial and uh, so surprising like specifically these the bands like the mob mental abuse mob obviously from new york not from new yeah. jersey but mob and the mob and mental abuse and nyc mayhem with it formed this kind of perfect like lacanian triangle of ineptitude chance elements and like um actually like quite smart writing. And I know it probably isn't on purpose and all of those things I just said wouldn't make sense to anybody in those bands. They would say, yeah, we just wanted to sound like the Ramones or we wanted to play faster than uh, Heart Attack or, you know. But the mob has like incredibly strange uh, timing flourishes and little backwards beats and cut phrases and like all this stuff that I recognize now to be kind of it's hard to listen to, but it's so noticeable. And Mental Abuse has a very specific kind of cut phrase. And Sid Sludge is such a, a strange, enigmatic person, like charming uh, and, and like humble person that has this wild stage persona. And uh, all the New Jersey bands exist in this like void, this ether, that like New York's garbage dump, New York's sort of cherry picking thing. So I wanted to do a band that sort of was like that. Uh, but at the time, I'd already been playing in these hardcore bands for seven, eight years, and I thought, like, man, I can't really bring myself to scream at somebody and really have it mean anything. So yeah. I just started the band Mad Men, which is like a distillation. <laughs> what is it? It's just angry men, right? <laughs> and uh, and I thought, okay, well, I'll just embody that to the max and and make this about, like, the futility of anger. So that band was about the futility of anger. There's a reason I'm telling you this long story, because you asked about my solo project. So that was the first futility of anger project. And then when that... I set a, an expiry date on Mad Men, 10 shows. We played probably 12 or 13, but I stuck to it. We played yeah. 10 shows in Toronto, and then it was done. And, like, you know, retired... Okay, fine. We played an extra two. We played an extra show in Toronto for uh, the launch of a TV show. Uh, so Mad Men broke up, and then we we got back together for the launch of Maddie Matheson's cooking show, which cool. I thought was the most absurd, stupid New Jersey <laughs> yeah. hardcore esque thing you could possibly do to get the band back together. Anyhow, the point of that band was the futility of anger. In the wake of Mad Men, I was starting to get a bit better at um, recording 
And Ben from Fucked Up asked me to record a song for his singles club. I, I had done this recording uh, there's a, it, for a band that I invented called Lonely Wholesome, which is supposed to be the inverse. So, like, Mad Men is the futility of anger, and that's this really raging, angry, belligerent character yeah. that's full of, like, machismo and bravado. And Lonely Wholesome is the inverse. So it's just about being a bit shy, which is really more who I am, a bit shy, a bit introverted, overthinking things. Etc. And so that went into that project. So he asked me to record this song uh, for some sing, sing flexi series he had been asked to do, and I, it turned out really well. So I really chased this kind of like busy guitar-y, sort of like trying to sound like the Stone Roses meets Big Star meets, uh, I don't know, like the Zombies or something. It, it doesn't really yeah. sound like any of that stuff on the record, but we put out a 12-inch, a flexi, sorry, a 12-inch acetate, a flexi, a cassette, and... Uh, and, a, and like a mini LP. And the mini LP came out a couple years ago. It's called Savage, Lovely, Lonely. And uh, it's like full of like strange love songs and like <laughs> a bit of absurdist uh, literary sort of nonsense. Uh, but I really liked it, you know. It's another way to just dive into yourself and, you know, you, you, it's like making a... Uh, it's, like it's like making a meal that isn't a meal. So it helps you, helps you become a better cook. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, Amazing. why not? Shit, sorry. <laughs> that sums it up. That's, that's sick. 50,000 words or less. Yeah. Um, that's great. And then, um, like, it sounds like these projects are, like, really, like, something that you're, like, happy to and, like, love to dive into big time. Sure. And I guess um, that raised your voice, Joyce, compilation. Right. Was that one that was, like, your was that your kind of Maybe. thing? <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, fine. Uh, we had this, like, the... Fucked Up always does these ambitious projects and we needed to, we wanted to have a thing that was like part of the orbit. I hope I'm not giving too much away because we technically we didn't, we have nothing to do with it. It's just a punk compilation that happens uh, to have the okay. same name as one of our songs <laughs> and talk about this person that, fictitious person that happens to be the central character in the story of oh, Fucked Up's latest LP, um, Dose Your Dreams. But, um, one of the lead characters in Dose Your Dreams is 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 Joyce Topps, and uh, you know the person who wrote the storyline and all the lyrics for the fucked up LP is Mike. And it's hard, in a way, it it's it sort of men are poor at writing female characters because you you don't really have the full scope of how to write that character. It's always a, a projection. Uh, and and anyway, without getting too far into that, the idea was to make this we wanted Joyce Topps is a pan chronological shamanic uh you know time traveler who has been present at every popular you know revolt of the last 150 years uh and so instead of just inventing her life story we I uh, went into Crusader Industrial Estate and wrote a record of like sort of vaguely differentiated anarcho-punk songs and recorded them and play I played uh, everything and then uh we invited some musicians that we really respect and like to sing on these tracks and basically write her life story yeah. through, the, through these songs. So the premise is like, she, this is who the person is. This is what she's done. We'd love it if you could help us yeah. create, create yeah. this character. Uh, so, I mean, and we didn't want to... I feel bad saying this stuff because I just didn't want to have anything... I didn't want my name to be on it because... I don't want to appear like, you know, all these 
these women that helped us and, and wrote the song don't, devoted a lot of time and energy. And then like, yeah. I don't want it coming back to me. It's yeah. not... They did the so work. So my disclaimer would be this morning. Yeah, I was slept around Kai's last night. Who's on the record? Yeah, and she and she was like, oh, like ask him about this record because I haven't heard about like yeah, yeah. his take on it. So okay, <laughs> that, no, it's good. That's I, where the I mean, conversation I tried, came I tried from. to ex- express that to everybody as well. And and actually, in asking people for help, I uh, you know I learned a lot because some I I was asking people to sing on this record, and. Uh, Somebody asked me if there was money involved, and I said, oh, no, it's just a passion, you know, it's just for fun. And they pointed out, quite rightly, that, like, ultimately, this is, for a working musician, if you Mm. ask a person who makes their living making music to do something for free, and then I'm the one that gets the credit for it, she just said, like, come on, give me a break, like, think twice. Why don't you why don't you pitch this to me in a better way that makes it seem like I'm not getting the shaft straight away? And and I was like, you know, it smacked me smacked my face clean off because I thought it's so ridiculous like I felt so arrogant and so stupid for having overlooked that so it, thank you very much you know who you are and you probably will never listen to this podcast <laughs> but uh, and I it changed my approach entirely yeah. but the, the ultimate impetus was to make this woman's life not written by like two dudes in a room Yeah, you know yeah. and I think the character the person that exists now because of this record is Absolutely amazing. And I learned about people I didn't know about. You yeah, know? for sure. And yeah. also spent time being creative with people I really like and respect. Um, so that is like a fantastic and rewarding scenario to have been in. I feel very lucky. So thank you very much to everybody that participated. By the way, I did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's amazing. It's like, um, it's amazing to hear how proud you feel of like what yeah. people... Like, yeah. I, I'm just so humbled if anybody gives me their time uh, because ultimately it's all we get, we have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you, and being a, a creative person has been, I've been lucky enough that creativity has been at the center of my ability to work and be like a person that has a job. Yeah. And like, fuck's sake, most people have to do other things so that they have time to have their creative 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 side engaged with and they can balance that perfect i'm terrible at balancing it <laughs> i have only the creative side and no drive or organizational skills uh and so when people are willing to sort of i mean it's just like you i it, i'm touched and i'm like totally shook when someone says yes i will help you yes i have so much trouble like admitting that i want somebody to do something or like i have so much yeah. trouble asking for help when somebody says let me let me lend you my brain and my body and my voice and like and my name like fucking hell that's big you know that's yeah, yeah, really yeah. nice and it goes for anybody that sang on a fucked up record too like even if even if we had to pay them or whatever it's like you didn't have to it's yeah. it's lovely it's really lovely and collaboration is like this is when i look back at my favorite eras of music it's all this commingling people are you know, musicianship isn't just about being in a band. It's about, like, playing each other's songs and about working together and, and how other people work in different ways. So it's it's nice, you know? That's yeah. the point. You look at an old jazz record, the lineup, okay, <laughs> the best version of the Max Roach Quintet is, you know, Clifford Brown and Harold, Harold Land and uh, Richie Powell and, and Max Roach. Uh, but when you hear... Clifford Brown with Art Blakey, it's a totally different thing. And, of course, they should play together. This is the people on the scene, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. And I think... Um... We should, I think that's like <clears throat> perfectly wrapped up this yeah, sure. this whole conversation yeah, yeah. in that starting with like you recording bands yeah. because they want your input yeah, yeah. Uh, in 
what the thing that they love yeah. and like their projects um and you like saying how amazing it is when people are interested in helping you with yours yeah so i guess like yeah, I think that's like a perfect like bookend Great. to this, this conversation. Wicked. Yeah, thank you so much for um for coming on. Like I said before, like you're the first person that like I am not like friends with yeah, yeah, to yeah. come on and it's like been super comfortable. So oh, thank you. Thank you. You've 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 made it very comfortable for me too. <laughs> and uh I will buck tradition and just stop there. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Jonah fucking Falco, there we go. What a great conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as like I fucking enjoyed listening to it all. Um, yeah, so this was recorded in London. Uh, uh, my friend Liam did it. He's done quite a lot. He always mixes these podcasts down. If you've got any kind of audio, you need some audio help, hit him up. He's on Twitter at Liam C Audio. He'd be more than happy to help with what you've got going on. Um, get at him. Uh, look after yourself. This is Smart Boys. Peace. Peace.